Well, good morning, Blue Ridge. Uh, it's good to be with you today, good to be in worship with you today. And I uh, just want to say, first of all, that it it's, it's an honor to be here and to open the Word of God with you, uh, and a real privilege. Uh, my first time preaching, so we'll see what the elders have to say afterward. It may be my last time, so <clears throat> let's see if I've got the clicker on here. There we go. So, well... <laughs> This month, we're going to be talking about the theme of uh, the priority of the church in the life of a Christian. If I can get back to my main slide, here we go. The priority of the church in the life of a Christian. That's what we're going to be talking about all month long. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about relational engagement, okay, or relational unity. So the priority of uh, relational engagement in the church. Have you ever, um, let me just ask you a few questions. Have you ever known someone who left the church who, um, you know, they, they weren't really happy. They didn't feel like they fit in very well with the church. They didn't feel like they belonged, and so they, they went someplace else. Or have you ever met somebody who, or maybe you, you found out about a couple or a family who left the church and uh, you, you found out that the reason they left, well, to you it just kind of seemed rather insignificant, maybe trivial. Have you, um, have you ever known somebody in the church who seemed like they um, weren't satisfied? They, they kind of complained a lot about different aspects of church life. There are some distorted views that we have in church life today in America. And I want to highlight just a few as we get started. Because these, these distorted views of church really affect um, church unity, okay? So the first thing that I'd like to suggest is that church can be commonplace instead of a sacred place. Who, who here has, uh, remembers the sitcom Cheers? Raise your hand if you, yeah, Cheers fans, there we go. So this was a sitcom back in the 80s and 90s, and it's, it was a, there was a bar called Cheers, and a group of regulars came, and they hung out with the bartender and the wait staff, and it was just a, a place where people came to, to be known. One of the refrains from the theme song really summed it up well. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Well, I think unfortunately we can be tempted to view church kind of like that, like it's a place to come, to be known, and so others can know us, but it's really no different than going to the bar, or going to the club, or going to the golf course, or fill in the blank. It's just another place to gather. And so what I mean is the church really doesn't have a sig more significant um, meaning. It, there's a, there's a, a shallowness of understanding or appreciation for the holy purpose of the church, which is to gather together in one body to love God and to love others. Church is not a, a sacred place. When we have this view, this view um, before us, we want to be seen, but we don't really want to be involved in church life. We don't really want to engage others in a way that fosters a spiritual connection and spiritual growth. Discipleship is not really pursued. Baptism and communion are seen more as like regular activities of the church, activities that we expect, but we don't look forward to them with a celebratory heart. We're not looking with a joyful heart in anticipation of those. Church is just a place to say hello to friends, hear a good sermon, 
here's some good music, and then, well, that's it. Church can be commonplace, not a sacred place. The second distorted view we have in the church today, I think, is that we can view church as a commodity instead of a community. Have you ever heard the phrase church shopping? I'm looking for a place that I can, I can, I can fit in. So whether that's we're looking for a style of music or style of a preacher or a type of teaching or looking for a church in the right location or we're looking for a youth group that has particular activities, sometimes we have a hard time seeing beyond ourselves. We stop viewing church as a community because we're focused on what we want, what we're interested in. And sadly, many people walk away from the church because the church can't provide for their needs, or maybe the church makes a change that they just don't like. And so, well, that's it. It's time to move on. The church can be a commodity, something to be traded or exchanged, not a community that we stick with. Church, this is the third thing. Church can also be, gotta remember my clicker here. Church can be uh, sometimes too comfortable where we're not concerned enough for others. This is a challenge in churches across America, where we tend to see it as a place to go to be with our people, our friends, to worship with people that we know best. And you may be thinking at this point, well, yeah, that's what I want to do in church. I want to go see my friends and worship with them. And thank God that we have a faith family here where we can come and worship together and love on each other and we see familiar faces and uh, that's a blessing. Praise God that we have each other. It's crucial. There's a comfort in that, there's a joy in that, there's love in that kind of an environment. What we need to remember though, is that church isn't just for those who already belong. Guests, the occasional attendee, new new members, they're always a continual part of church life also, right? We must guard against exclusion, which requires that we go outside of our comfort zones. Church can be a comfortable place if we're not careful and one that, a place where we're not so concerned for others. Now this is a simple, maybe a simplistic sketch of church in America today. And I'm, I'm not really trying to discourage you. <laughs> but I hope that you are concerned about these distorted views in church life. And I hope that um, this is disturbing for you. And most of us, I believe that most of us here don't have that kind of a view. I think most of us in this room have a biblical understanding of the purpose of church. We've been singing about it all morning. A holy people gathered for a holy enterprise to love others. I can certainly attest to the fact that when my family started coming in June of 2021, we were warmly welcomed and people genuinely wanted to know us and that has continued. We have been uh, the recipients of your grace and your love and, and, and care, and it's just been wonderful. And I, I thank you for that on behalf of my family. And while my family's case is evidence of a biblical perspective of church, I think the overarching point that I'm, that I'm wanting to make is that as a faith command, uh, community, how we treat newcomers and regular attenders alike is hugely indicative of how we see the gospel of Christ, which again is to love others. I like to think that we get it here at Blue Ridge, but part of the purpose of preaching is to remind the faithful to be faithful in righteous living. 
according to the scriptures. As the apostle Peter said to the believers of his day, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. We all need reminding. Well, what is a biblical view of church and how do we counteract these distorted views? Well, as I indicated earlier, the church should be a community, a community of holy people in a holy enterprise to love God and to love others, not just to love uh, those that we know well as believers, but with those that we are, in, uh, but for those outsiders also, and those who come into our midst seeking a place to belong. There's plenty of scriptural support for this truth, and I know that you'll be familiar. I'd like to highlight just a few key verses if I could. The first is from John 13, verses 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, said Jesus, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And the next verse is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And then finally from James chapter two, verses eight and nine. If however you are fulfilling the royal law, According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Friends, this is the biblical view of church, to love God, to love others passionately. Do you know someone in in the church who's like that? Who loves passionately for Christ's sake, even those that you know, that they go out of their comfort zone to love those they don't know very well. Are you such a person? I can't help but think about my parents in this regard. My parents have served in their home church for well, as, as long as I've known them. And they've been involved in a variety of ministries, teaching kids, teaching adults, um, serving in various capacities. My dad has been um, for more than a decade now involved in a prison ministry where a couple of times a month, he and, and several other men go to the local prison and they meet with the incarcerated and they, they sit with these guys and, and they listen to them and they hear their stories and they talk and they open the word of God and they evangelize and they, they build relationship. And my mom, who's always been big into outreach with her Sunday school class, really likes to go visit with some of the elderly who for whatever reason, can't get to church. You know, she goes to their homes, to their hospital beds, to to the nursing home, and, and she sits with them, and she listens to them, and she talks with them, and she prays with them, and she encourages them, and she reads the word. Um, my parents expend much time and energy loving on people who sometimes the world forgets. Do you know somebody in the church who loves passionately? We have a great example from scripture too uh, of one who loved tangibly and passionately. passionately. Recall the familiar passage in Luke where a certain lawyer asked this question of Jesus. 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robbers' hands? And he said, well, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. The neighbor in this case was a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews were different, very different culturally, religiously. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They didn't cross paths. In this case, we have a Samaritan stranger who's loving a Jewish victim. It's a very powerful story. Therefore, in our loving as a church family, as a faith family, we are commanded to love everyone. We are, unite, we are to be united or unified in that purpose. And as an aside, it should be obvious that the scriptures don't call us to be best friends with each other, right? We can't be best buds with everybody. It's not practical. And furthermore, there's always gonna be somebody in the church that just kind of, well, annoys you, right? Does things you don't like, has a personality or some idiosyncrasies that just rub you the wrong way. Right? That's, that's just life. And in this way, way, I think a church family is very much like a real family. Okay? Friends, relational unity, relational engagement means being unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ to love God fully and to love others passionately. And it's this very act of choosing to love those that we don't necessarily want to love, that don't deserve to love. That, we, that don't deserve our love, that makes this command so radical, right? That's what makes the church so radical and so different from the rest of the world. That's what we should be about, is loving those who don't really deserve it, who we don't feel like loving. And without Christ, if we think about it honestly, what would our, our default be? What would our base nature be without Christ in our lives? Wouldn't we want to like the Jews and the Samaritans of old, wouldn't we want to despise each other? Wouldn't we want to hate? Wouldn't we want to cancel each other out? I think we see this on social media today, sadly. It's all too evident in the world around us. No, instead, we the church choose to love. We choose to love. We choose to bless. We choose to forgive. That's what the church does. That's what we are called to. But the question I want to get to today is not so much the what. I think we know the what pretty well. I really do, I think most of us get it. The question I want to address is how? How do we love passionately like that? How do we love our neighbors to bring God glory? So that it can be said of our local church family, quoting again from John chapter 13, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Well, I'd like to offer you just a few, three aspects from the life of Christ that I feel like address the how. How do we do this well? And the first one is service. Serving is critically important to loving others well. It fosters unity in the body. It enables us to put our love into action for this family. But also, serving assists in generating love for those we are serving. It has a dual function, you see. It's an outlet helping us to express our love, but it also acts as a generator to love more deeply and more broadly. Jesus served. If you recall all of the ways that he served, he washed the disciples' feet. He, I mean, think of all the people that he healed, 
Think of all of the training and the teaching of the disciples. Think of the feeding of the multitudes, the evangelistic preaching in the synagogues to the Jews. I mean, Jesus was always serving other people, not himself. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength of which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, find ways to serve in your local church in Blue Ridge. The second aspect from the life of Christ is self, self-sacrifice. Service to others requires sacrifice, right? I mean, you have to give of your time and your energy and you gotta set aside your, your own desires and wants. You gotta give of your resources. This is part of it. The Good Samaritan went way out of his way to do this. Now, you may not need to sacrifice that much, but can you sacrifice a little? Are you willing to sacrifice for those sitting around you? That's the question. Jesus sacrificed, in fact, his entire life was a sacrifice. And ultimately, he sacrificed on the cross for us and for our salvation. Let's read a familiar passage, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Brothers and sisters, find ways to sacrifice of yourself for your church family. The third aspect from the life of Christ that I want to, to land on here is submission. Submission to God. We see this in the life of Christ, don't we? Where Jesus is submitting continually to the Father's will for his life. For example, praying on the mountaintop. Praying in the Garden of Gethsemane when the crucifixion was near. I think, friends, that submitting to God is the most difficult thing for us to do. And I think it's the most important. And that's because, as Paul said in Romans chapter 7, Verses 18 through 20, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. You see, our spirit and our flesh are at war with each other. And we often choose towards those base default natures that we talked about earlier, instead of going with the Spirit. I know this is true in my life. I am always amazed at the quickness with which sin can surface. Um, It's just so easy and, and and fluidly that we can go in and out of sin. We slip in and out of sin all the time. We can go from being 
You know, we can leave this service today with our hearts filled with the love of God and love of others and just brimming, right? And before we get in the car, we can think an impure thought or selfish thought. We can gossip on the way out. We can judge somebody. It's just, it's crazy. Simply stated, we cannot expect to love by the power of the Spirit if we are not submitted to God with a pure heart. This is true even when we're in the midst of serving and sacrificing. We still have to submit. Yes, being the loving church God desires is without, is without question, the Spirit working through us. We don't accomplish it without his enablement in our transformed lives. It's true. Yet the Spirit does not move in hearts who are not completely submitted to him, to God. So how do we love well at Blue Ridge and sustain that love? Well, we serve, we sacrifice, and we submit to God. And this prescription is actually very simple, isn't it? But it's incredibly hard to do. It's incredibly hard, especially submission. Submission to God is the starting point. That's where it begins. Our lives must be pure before God before we can be truly loving, truly loving to others. And we must know God experientially, not just know something about God in an intellectual way. We have to really know God. That requires spending time with him. So here's my encouragement to you today and to myself. Meet with the Almighty. Meet with the God who is your loving, gracious, and heavenly Father. Meet with him every single day. Humble yourself before him. Seek forgiveness of your sin. Read and meditate on his word. Pray over his word. Pray for others. Pray for your church in specific ways. Ask God to give you a heart that's compassionate and loving towards others. Pray for the building up of the church at Blue Ridge. Ask God to give you opportunities to serve. Listen for his guidance. Just sit in his presence and listen to what he says through his word. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that this is not the least you can do for your church. This is the most you can do for your church. Ultimately, loving God purely and others passionately will not result from church activities and programs, being busy for God, or from your own self-driven efforts. That's not really how it happens. Rather, this transformational process begins when we submit to God and spend time with him, knowing him. We must know him. Remember what Jesus said to Martha? Oh, I forgot my slide. There we go. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best part. It will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> 